Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Our Generation On Air. I am your host, Alex Bullimore, and I am joined at the moment by a very reliable trio whose voices, I'm sure, are now very familiar to you listeners. Uh, Firstly, we have a man who I believe once referred to himself in our group chat as the Croydon De Bruyne. That is, despite more closely resembling Preston right-back Sepp van der Berg. Welcome to Dan Lambert. Hello. Oh, I can't lie, I wasn't expecting that intro. <laughs> also joining us after a few weeks away, many trips to Norway and other places, welcome back to Lucas Ross. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, Alex. Thanks for having me again. Fantastic to have you back. So we have slightly less than normal to talk about due to the fact that the international break is looming over us. Uh, So it is just analysis of our two games against Nottingham Forest and Cardiff City before we turn attention to tomorrow night's game against Blackpool, which is, believe it or not, another game live on Sky. Uh, So let's start with Forest, another game that was live on Sky. Um, This is a much improved performance over what we had seen in recent weeks. What do you guys think? Ooh, I think it was an interesting one because I only managed to watch the first half because I was on holiday and I couldn't find anywhere to watch it. So I had to watch on his goal. But from what I saw, I only saw the first half. Didn't manage to get, didn't get to the goal because I got redirected. Um, but from what I saw, it was, it was, it was. Um, so we started out not great. Forest probably should have had a goal. But, um, we had a couple. There were a couple close calls for Forest. Um, we had McCallum go off injured, um, or the device. Yeah, I think it was McCallum went off injured, or maybe both of them went off injured. Um, but then I think um, we sort of grew into the game as time went on, especially after my stream failed. Dykes took his goal very well, but I think the assist isn't giving enough credit from Adoma. What an assist. Just doing the play and dinking it into the box, so satisfyingly for Dykes to head home. Then the second half, we grew into the game, had our chances, and then bang, get done, get undone by a sucker punch in the 91st minute. Um, devastating, but we go again. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, just to, I mean, what Lucas said is correct. I mean, it was probably more than anything a tough one to take because of the manner of the of the game. Obviously, them scoring in the last minute or so. I think on reflection, though, for me, it was probably a fair result. Um I think they Forest did create enough or dominated the game enough at least to to draw the game. Um, but no, it was a bit of a kick of the teeth at the end. Yeah, so let's uh, turn our attention to the team selection. Uh, just running through it: Dieng, Dicky, Device, Barbe, Adoma, McCallum, then Johansson and Dazel, Chair, Willock, and Dykes. Now, Dan, you've mentioned this quite a few times: the Johansson, Dazel, Double double pivot I would maybe I I don't know if I would describe it as a double pivot because Johansson was much further forward than we expected him to be or you know in comparison to recent games and Dazelle kind of played a more to sort of use a football manager terms deep line playmaker role (laughs) you know that's where my knowledge of football comes from not I can't I can't lie so Dan what what did you think of this this pairing that to be honest you've worried about very publicly yeah um yeah like you said it was we kind of played in like a three 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 one with uh or when it was an attack it'd be Dazelle sitting um I wasn't I mean I've seen a lot of um views on it some people have liked it for me I think it was it was okay it I think it did its job but the purpose of playing two playmakers at least in in a midfield pairing um it's to kind of control games and ultimately for me we didn't really control the game which made it harder for specific, uh, specifically Dazel in the uh, the first half when um balls came kept going down the channels and through through our bypassing our midfield to Brennan Johnson um I think it it was okay but yeah I I, I don't know it's just something about me that Dazel sitting as a lone lone six if you like um he just worries me. He's just not really defensively aware, for, for, to my liking, at least. 
I think the thing that I liked about it was that, you know, it did release Johansson a little bit further forward and he played his best game for quite a while. When I say that Dazel played really well, I think he did, he didn't quite, in an attacking sense, contribute much. I don't know. I'd maybe it's been quite a lot of time since the game's passed, so I'd probably have to watch the full ninety minutes again to really understand that. But like, I thought going into the game, pretty much the same as you, is Dazel going to be able to cope defensively? And I think I was more surprised of anything that he coped with it and did well. He was putting himself about winning challenges. So I wasn't exactly disappointed with the way he played. And maybe against uh, better opposition, you know, to pull him out of the hat, Fulham, you know, obviously run away, not leaders yet, but oh, if they are, they're, you know, they're the what team to beat at the moment at the top of the league. You're thinking that was probably our worst performance of the season. The 4-1 defeat would put in Dezel in instead of Ball stop that? Probably not. You know, there's a, a bigger issue going on there with perhaps the, the structure of the team, whatnot. So I think when when I say at least that he was impressive, I mean in the sense that I had pretty low-ish expectations for his defensive output and he exceeded them. And that's what he's got to do because it can't just be that he is a player who's only going to be going forward. If you're going to play in that midfielder side, Johansson, he has got to put in a defensive shift. I've mentioned him a few times there, Stefan Johansson, uh, fellow countryman of Lucas. So we'll pass over to you, Lucas. It was a better performance from him, though, wasn't it, compared to what he put in against Fulham? What do I have to say? Against Fulham especially, and earlier in the season, um, some of the paltry performances we'd seen. Um, I think is I think he's back to his former self. I think tough tackles, taking the yellow card for the team here and there, and just leading everything on the pitch. Um, I think it was much improved from the my fellow countrymen on Friday night, um, especially with um, that. Especially when he wiped Jed Spence straight into the advertisement hoardings. Um, I think, um, yeah, no, much, much improved and. I think he's going on a bit of an up, upward trajectory and him and Dazelle could be a very good pivot in midfield for the season. Well, you're going to come against challenge there from Dan with that opinion. Um, apart from Dazelle and Johansson, did you guys think there was any other sort of standout performers from last Friday evening? Um, not not really. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back. I mean, Dykes had a few chances. I wouldn't. I think he only had one real, real big chance. I suppose, which is the goal he scored. Um, I mean, Adoma, Adoma played well, but we've kind of already touched on that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think there was any huge, hugely impressive performances. But I think probably Adoma. Um, yeah, Adoma deserves a mention. Did. What do you think of uh, Jimmy Donalds? He came on for Device after he picked up an injury. Uh, I mean, I didn't really focus too much attention on him. I thought they they managed Forrest well, um, apart from obviously Brennan Johnson in the first half. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean the only the only real threat they posed up front, I suppose, is in the second half when Taylor came on. I thought he quite um, had quite a, um, a decent impact with his hold up play and link up play to the to the channels, but no, I think Dunn Dun did a good job to be fair. Lucas, any other standout performances for you? Um, I think, I think Adoma was very good. Um, um, I think, yeah, Adoma had, had a really good game at right back. I think he was very, very impressive um, just gunning down the right and get, and obviously with his assist as well, I think that was very, very good. And I think he's made that right wing back spot his own. I think um, when he came on, I think Moses Odebarge had a good game as well because um, um, he came on and used his pace well, among other things. But yeah, no, I think um, Adoma especially, he had a very good game. Okay, so let's move on to the moment of pain right at the end of that game. Um, it was I thought we played quite well throughout the whole for well for majority of the game and 
you know, Dan, you said that you think that draw is probably the correct result. I would have said 1-0 would have been fair to us had it ended that way. Um, but it obviously took a massive deflection off the aforementioned Jimmy Dunn. Do you think he should have gone with his... It was a bit of an easier for him to go with his feet rather than his head because it looked really awkward, to be honest. It, I mean, it did. But for me, I think we had this discussion on Friday after the game. Um, and this I, it sounds like I'm criticising Dezell non-stop here, but he has to cl- try and close um, Cole back down. I think the cross from comes in from Yates at the time. Um, and he's kind of like just in no man's land, kind of ball watching. And um, I mean, Johansson manages to throw his body from from behind a uh, cold bat, but it can't really come to any effect. So ideally, I'd like I'd like the more than before done to to at least try and close the shot down in the last last kick of the game. But um, yeah, it was. I mean, he could have used this first pose, but I think at that point he had just had to throw his body at it because if he didn't throw his body at it, then he'd have been left for all sorts of criticism. Lucas, what do you think? Um, oh, painful, definitely. Um think when, when Yates nails that cross in, I know that we're in trouble because gets get I mean ricocheted around, bounces around a bit and then comes to Colback on the edge. Yeah. He puts his left foot through it. Dunn takes a deflection. It's just about to take it away from the end, I think. I'd say if it doesn't take a deflection, the end saves that. Um but even then on another day the end could well say that but I'm not gonna criticize the end here. I'm just I'm just gonna say I'm not really going to say much, to be honest, because it was so painful in the manner in which it happened. Yeah. Um, I just, I think it's a really weird way for him to try and defend it. If you're going to, if you're going to go for it, then why not just sort of, I don't know, maybe this is speaking well sort of after the event, but like take a couple of steps across and just put your foot in the way. It seems really weird to sort of dive on the floor. I think if he feels like he has to go for it, go for it. I would never, you know, he, he's got to make a judgment in that second and it is, it could either go right or wrong and it went wrong this time. And I think there's definitely been occasions earlier on in the season, I can't remember the specific game, but either him or device, it probably was done having looked at the way he dealt with it. He did a similar thing of trying to clear the ball with his head when it was very low and he managed to clear it, but it went, you know, very slightly wide of the post. So it is a game of fine margins, but Lucas probably is right. If he leaves that, Senny's got that covered because he was having a good game. I thought Senny, he did, wasn't, you know, he had a, a lot to deal with at times, but he dealt with what he had to quite well. And he's, you know, after a bit of recent criticism, I think he looked a lot better. Um, but the elephant in the room again after this game is the injuries. Yet again, we've seen McCallum go off early and Geordie Device. Um, you know, it just can't really get any luck at the moment, can we? No, 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 not at all. I mean, when I mean, I sit sit right behind the goal where it happened for the McCallum injury, anyway, and you could see him clutching his hamstring, and it, it did, didn't look good from the um, from when he, as soon as he went down. Uh, I think that's a recurring injury as well from his first one, which was quite recent. So that's he. I mean, we know the news that he's got tough surgery, and um, he's not out. He's out until maybe the new year, but. No, we're just, especially the left wing back position, we're depleted in right now. And we're having to use Oda Badger, who, who's doing his job well um, in that in that position for the, for the time being. But no, we're not, our squad was thin before the season started, um, but now it's, it is looking thinner. It's really disappointing as well, because yeah, um, McCallum made a really good tackle there in getting his injury. It was really well-timed. I mean, probably stem from being, you know, someone along that back five being caught out somewhere. I think it was Barber. It was Dizel. It was, it was a Dizel no-look pass. Oh, you have to be. <laughs> no, I was watching the replay. I watched the replay back. No, 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 this, this <laughs> not again. Not no, no, again. seriously, it was a Dizel no-look pass. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was. And then the ball came The ball came down the channel. He had to recover. Um, so, I'm, pre- di- um, I'm pretty sure Barbe went charging out, didn't he? And then stopped. He might have done... Yeah, he might have done. Yeah, he kind of yeah. half committed to it, and then 
you know, McCallum's having to make up ground, makes a brilliant tackle, but his hamstring goes. And this well, is McCallum front- had to make up about five, five, about five times the amount of ground because the ball went five times that yeah. direction in the first half. But um, yeah, I mean, yes, it is partly due to our own defensive frailties, but the fixture list has got to be taking a toll on these players. When young players like McCallum are going with, with hamstring injuries. Um, and, you know, we've already seen Wallace with another hamstring earlier on this season. Uh, Field, obviously another injury-prone player. But the fixture list isn't given much room for rest, is it, at all? Whether you say we shouldn't have gone hard in the League Cup or not, but Lucas, you know, the, the fixtures, it's not helping anyone at the moment, is it? No, no, no. Um, I think... Um, having just taken the closer analysis of the fixture list prior to um, between um, up from the start of the season to the November international break, we have consistently had two matches a week a match on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, be albeit in the league or the cup, and a match on the Sat a match on the Friday or Saturday as well. And I think, um, I think, um, it's a bit bittersweet here because. While we have experienced um, some unforget wins, which I'll remember for the rest of my life, such as Everton, it's sort of taken its toll and we've sort of produced some unwavering performances, for example, and a bit of luck going against us, for example. I think, um, um, I think Sunderland um, took, it, took its toll a little bit on us because think they hadn't been playing as much as us. Um, obviously, they've had their cup run and they had the Johnston's paint trophy as well, so they could have been playing as much as us. But um, obviously, Warburton likes to work with a small squad. And while it can work in your favour, it can also have its disadvantages. And I think more recently, more, more so, just the disadvantages have been coming into play um, a bit too much because um, they. it's just... Oh, I, don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but um, I think with all with all the players going down injured constantly, for example, we had McCallum out for injuries twice this season already, and Wallace has been out since the third game of the season. Um, and Field we haven't seen at all in the Rangers shirt since back end of last season. I think it's starting to take its toll a bit. And I think if and I think um, if Wallace isn't fit by um, the um, Luton match, we might have to look into getting an emergency loan in. So with all that considered, and I think, you know, we've all enjoyed the cup run. The FA Cup isn't that far off. I think the first round fixtures either were quite recently or the first round's coming up. But, you know, when we enter in in the third round, when we traditionally take our exit from the cup as well, I think we're the either tied worst or the worst team for exiting the cup in the third round. Yeah. Us and Plymouth. Us and Plymouth, there we go. Um, it's Should we be taking the FA Cup seriously or do I say it, do we make ring the changes come January? Um, ultimately, it depends on who we get, to be honest, in, in the cup because if we get someone like a Liverpool or Chelsea, which obviously isn't going to happen. We're going to get someone really crap. But say we were to get Chelsea at home, we're obviously going to put out a full-strength side and there'd be no need to ring the changes. But if we get someone like Forest Green or a side in the abyss of that is non-league, then yes, we ring, we ring the changes. And yes, we risk humiliation. Um, because, especially if we're doing well in the league, because it allows... Um, some of the players that have been performing so well for us in the league, cough, cough, chair and Willock, to have to put their legs up for a game and just have a rest. Um, but I think ultimately it depends. Um, it depends on who we get in the third round, whether we get like a Liverpool or a Chelsea, or we get like a Forest Green or a Chesterfield. I mean, I I, I wouldn't worry about the FA Cup. I mean, I know some people think it's a tra- traditional cup and all that kind of nostalgia but we've got to focus on the league the cup doesn't really mean that much to us I mean you only have to look at when we played Sunderland that what they they were three rounds from the final something like that and they still rotated the teams right managers rotate they only care about their the, the league position because that's ultimately 
what keeps them in their job. Not really, not really a, a, a two, three round cut run. So I wouldn't worry about the cut. Okay. And uh, just finally touching on the Forest game, um, you know, Dykes was very nearly ruled out of the Cardiff match because of an injury he was seen on Instagram wearing a moon boot uh, post Forest. You know, the injuries really didn't help us in that game. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit disappointing, I thought. Do you think that had we had those two subs in the bag, if we didn't have to bring on Dunham or DeBarjo or whoever it was that came on, we would have had a better chance of holding on to that result? Um, quite possibly, because... Um... Um, I think um, device against Taylor, De- um, device could do a solid job against Taylor. I'm not saying Dunn didn't do well against Taylor. I'm saying that um, device and more of his build and his scary looks could well have phased Taylor a little bit. And I think Olibar, losing McCannon for Olibarjo isn't ideal, but at the same time, Olibarjo did play quite well um, on fr- on last Friday. So. Um, yeah, and I think we'll touch on his points against Cardiff when we come to it. Um, I mean, it could have, the two early injuries could have, if they didn't happen, it could have made a difference. But I mean, Dykes has scored at that point. I don't know. He could have been injured at that point. We don't know. But um, he'd scored. He was in in a bit of a, he had a bit of a momentum from the goal. And I don't think Warburton's rarely taken Dykes off unless necessary. I think sometimes we do, we do run him into the ground. I mean, he is our best striker at the minute, so you can understand why. But I'm not sure, particularly sure um, Austin would have made Austin or even Gray would have made a made a huge difference to that game. Very glad there, Dan, that you didn't say that Scotland ran him into the ground because you know it just isn't true. He I can't say that when you're I can't say that when you're a Scotland fan. He plays as much as he does for Scotland as he does for QPR. <laughs> There's no, no, I, know, I know that. I know that. There's, there, there's nothing like, you know, he won't be playing the first game uh, of this international break. He'll probably play against Denmark, but he's not going to be playing against Moldova because he's banned for a yellow card. So, yeah. So he's not going to be, I think so anyway. I'm pretty sure he picked up a yellow in the last game. But, you know, that's just, you know, he's he is so important to Scotland. And I don't think... You know, I think Scotland fans are finally coming round to realising how important he is. But you know, I don't think we've had a player as important in a home nations team from QPR in years. Because without him, Scotland just don't score. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like more about Scotland, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but you know, we're we're rubbish. But you know, we're a unique level of rubbish. Okay, so moving on from that brief talk about Scotland, we're going to look at the game against Cardiff uh, on Wednesday evening. Um, I was at the game. Cardiff were utterly appalling. They just don't... They never actually created every, anything at all. Anything that they did create was straight down Sonny's throat. Guys, what did you think of the whole game? wasn't really a spectacle. Really, um, I thought it was a bit of a diabolical affair, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, Car- Cardiff were absolutely terrible. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, they, they, they showed, they did show some threat going forward, but they just put it nowhere else other than, as you said, down the end's throat. Um, it was too. It was too easy for us, and I think we had a good game. And I think at the end of the day, we was worthy for the three points. Um, I also, I also think that Cardiff are in serious trouble this season if they don't buck their ideas up very soon. I think they need to appoint a good manager like Sam Allardyce or something or Tony Pulis to turn the boat around. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just before we go on there, their last two <laughs> managers have been Mick McCarthy. Oh, we've been over, we we went over this last pod. Mick McCarthy, and then it was Neil Harris before that, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, both of them, their football is an assault on the eyes. 
It's nothing pretty at all. You're telling me that they're going to go and get Big Sam? (laughs) I think think if you want Cardiff fans to come and get you, Lucas, you're on the right path, mate. (laughs) Oh, well. um, well, I think think they need a solid, proven manager next, like the, the, the men who I just mentioned. Or some, or someone good on the unemployment line right now to take to 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 stay the ship because it is not it is not looking very good for them at all. And I think if they if they don't back, back their ideas up, they could be in or a talamantus or how do you say that word? I would say talamantus talamantus relegation battle. Dan, what did you think of the game in general? Um, I mean. There wasn't too much to really to really see. It was it was a kind of a dull affair. I feel bad for you going, Alex. If anything, uh, apart from the experience, obviously, it's a good. I'm sure it's a good away day. But now it was a it was a pretty dull game um, from from start to finish, apart from a little bit of um, magic, which I'm sure we'll touch upon in more detail in a second. But um, no, I mean Cardiff. They didn't really look like posing a threat, like you said. Um, I'm not even sure whether their game plan was to try and win the game. Maybe it was just to, just to I don't know, grind out a point and just get something on the board. But no, I thought I thought we were we were quite slop, not sloppy, but we were quite slow, and we didn't we kind of played into their hands at times. But um, I mean, that wins a win at the end of the day, and we got a clean sheet, so I'll take it. Yeah, um, I mean, the atmosphere was kind of good from the Ars fans. The Cardiff fans were quite understandably visibly depressed uh you know they had a bit brief bit of excitement at the weekend from i think they were were they 3-1 down 3-0 down 3-0 down 3-0 down scored scored three in five minutes yeah so there's a little bit of excitement for them but they still look like a fan base that needed a bit more um excitement they needed something on the pitch shown before they could get behind their team i can completely understand that you know, prior to this game, conceded 19, only scored one goal. They'd gone on a record amount of losses. So the atmosphere from Cardiff fans were was not toxic, but they just looked fed up. Um, so whoever takes over there has got a huge job um, on their hands. I mean, you know, we mentioned how boring the game was. The real highlight for me was to actually, he's not here right now, but I actually got to meet Micah in the, in the flesh. He's actually a real person and it's fantastic. I also got to meet um, another person who contributed quite a lot to Argen last year, Ben Summer, who will be at some point, I'm sure, making his way onto the podcast. So it was nice to see them too. And that was kind of, apart from the one moment of genius, which Dan uh, described so brilliantly, uh, you know, that was fantastic just to meet up with a couple of people from our generation in person. So let's talk about the goal. Um, I haven't seen any replays of this goal that convincingly tells me that this was onside. (laughs) But it was given, and I guess we're going to take it. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean... I was gonna. I was gonna praise. I, I thought Cardiff did all right before the goal. Um, in terms of they kept this they were quite quiet with the a kind of diamond in the front. But no, I mean I don't know how you can give someone that good technically that much time and space on the ball. Um, I don't know about the grey. The angle doesn't show it clearly. Um, after I painfully rewatched that game. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a. A wonderful no look through ball, and um, he split open. Well, they're already open defense in, in one pass, so yeah, it was a good, good, um, good bit of magic from Dazel. Yeah, it was an absolute moment of genius, Lucas. What did you think when you were watching that? Um, I thought so. Um, I was what I, I didn't go to the game, I watched along on the red button. Um, I thought. Got, I thought it was offside because I saw in the group chat saying, oh, we've, oh, does that be unbelievable? Oh, is it going to be offside? And then um, I, 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 then we score. I start deafening my mum with my ear-piercing screams. And then 
Um, I thought it was offside, so I was like, oh, and then I saw it being allowed, and then and then I, I just lost the plot because Dazelle's pass, oh, it was absolutely unbelievable. I've never seen an assist like it. In all my years of supporting QPR, it was unbelievable. As I just, as I just said, like um, it, it was madness. What an assist! And then Gray to have the composure to turn round, and then, and then just casually slot it in the bottom corner. Um, yeah, thanks, Dad. Um, and then, and then he just slot, he just slotted in the bottom corner. What, what thinking? Proper ten thousand IQ moment there, as I like to say. And yeah, and then we just held on and went and won from there. Yeah, um, I mean, the pass is fantastic, isn't it? Because it takes out uh, about five or six different Cardiff players in one beautiful, swift motion. Um, do you know that this was the first time since 1932 that we've won consecutive league away matches against Cardiff? Oh, there's, there's a lovely niche. Um, stat for you to uh, thank you to BBC Sport for that but I thought it was a good controlled performance regardless of how boring it actually was we never were really threatened for majority of the game by Cardiff and we were in control for the majority of it done fantastic Dazelle I thought again was pretty good with the assist he was also putting himself about a bit um, but for me, stand out with so much energy, man of the match performance really is Moses Adebayo. He's come in for quite a lot of criticism, and what summed it up for me recently was uh, in that game he won the ball in our half and absolutely bombed forward after playing the full ninety. Uh, you know, out of position, you could argue at left wing back, bombs forward, takes on a few of the Cardiff. Uh, the players wins a foul or a throw and I can't remember what it was gets gets up right in front of us QPR fans starts g'ing us up and everyone everyone sort of relaxed in that moment Um, but I thought he was really really fantastic against Cardiff the other night any guys any suggestions for who else was standout performer I think Moses is the most obvious one I think Adome had a good game, but I think it was all it was a it was a well-round good team performance, and that's what we like to see. Um, but I think Moses Odebarjo undoubtedly been out in the match. Dan, um, I say Dan for me. Uh, I think he controlled Keefer Moore quite well, uh, um, and we actually defended set pieces well for a change, which was quite quite a nice <laughs> nice thing to see. Um, even even Ilias Chair getting stuck in. Um, a few times. Um, but yeah, I'd have done probably as my man match, but I, I do agree that um, Odebajo put in a, a good performance. Yeah. Um, something that I forgot to mention about Forrest, and we definitely did do it against Cardiff, but at points we did actually put the press on. This time against Cardiff, it had Austin pressing as well. There was a couple of moments where it got a bit dicey for Cardiff. No, it didn't happen all the time, but we did press. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't too focused on the press, to be honest. I, I saw we sat off a few times. I thought, I mean, you'll know more than me, you were at the game. Um, but no, if, if Austin pressed, it was good to see. Just on this Forest one, I know we've been on that game. I think we pressed better aggressively, but I think the structure is still lacking. And obviously that's a kind of a, a coach thing. And we don't really have time to coach when we have games Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday or whatever. Um, but no, the te- the tempo of the press was definitely there, but um, I do think it's it's still still a bit patchy. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, you mentioned Kiefer Moore. Obviously, he's a very good striker. Scored plenty of goals in the Euros, but he was pretty non-existent throughout throughout this whole game. He didn't really have a lot of service. It reminded me a lot of the sort of performance that. Dykes came in for a lot of criticism for about a year ago when we weren't giving him chances. I can't really remember more having many opportunities in the box, crosses, what have you. Um, and it was a lot of hold-up play. I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I thought, you know, that, that is a striker that will score you goals at this level. I think no, he... Moore's been like that for quite a lot of the season, to be honest. I think 
I think he's only scored like two goals then. He was well into the teams last season for goals. So I think it's been a bit un- I think it's been a bit like that quite a lot this season. Dan, what do you think? Um, no, I, just, well, I mean, he hasn't started loads of games. Um, so I, I don't know if the manager um, had any issues with him or whatever. But um, no, he didn't really get the service. I thought his link-up was all right for, for, for a period. I think there was one time where I think had it been a better through ball, Ryan Giles would have been in on goal. Um, was that the first? I might have been the first half. I'm, yeah, I think the first half. Um, but no, he threw himself at a few crosses, corners. But um, right, we did we did mark him uh, well, to be fair. Yeah, so it was a, a good performance, all in all, I think, just to get that win. And I mentioned it on the pod uh, before Cardiff and Forest that we just needed to get a a win on the board at some point to end this torrid run and just sort of give us a little bit of confidence going into the next game. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think this is going to lead to a bit more of a bounce from us against Blackpool? What do you think? Um, you'd like to think so. I mean, we haven't pulled a, pulled a, a significant run together since the start of the season. Um, so it's bound to probably happen sometime. Um, I mean, in the championship, it's so tight at the minute that, what, you put a run of two, three wins on the bounce and you either push up 10 places or, like, for us, we could maintain um, the playoff positions. Um, so I'm, ho- I'm hoping that brings confidence to the side. And there's definitely spirit and um, determination in their squad. There's no denying that, as we saw earlier on the season, but um, the performances do still need to be improved. They've got better, but they still need to be improved, I think. Yeah, so let's now move on to uh, Blackpool, and we're going to pretend for the next couple of minutes that we actually know what we're talking about with Blackpool. <laughs> well, I do, I do, I do in fairness, I know a little bit, but uh, All I'm, right. not, I'm not, I haven't watched them too much. At least I am, because I haven't seen them at all. I don't know what the stats are on how many games they've got from Sky, but I would wager that they oh, are none none this is the first one this is the first one what a surprise what a surprise no wonder i haven't seen them i mean shock horror shock horror that is pretty embarrassing in itself a newly promoted side you would have thought at some point they would have got on tv there's a well, story they are, they are, there they are tomorrow. well yeah but there is a you know earlier on than that there is a story there for the sky to weave newly promoted whatever how are they going to do yeah yada 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 it's very easy to write the sort of script for that pre-match and they must have played someone that's vaguely attractive i guess you know we are that vaguely attractive option at the moment but from a god neutral, we're not from a perspective at least we're not that pretty to be honest we're very <laughs> very much a six i'd say um it's They've they've had a good they've had a good October though, haven't they, Blackpool? Four wins from five. Shut up the league. What can we expect from them, Dan? As soon as you know um, what you're talking about. We can we can expect them to press us to death. Um they're Critchley side are very much based on their, their work rate and their energy. Um they normally line up in a four four two. Um but I d I don't know what they're gonna do tomorrow because I think they've got an injury or a doubt to Keshi Anderson, one of their wide men. Um, so we can expect them to to try and choke us when we're in possession. Not 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 literally, obviously, but metaphorically. Um, they're quite compact, compact centrally. So I think I alluded to this when we when we were previewing Fulham when I um, discussed how they uh, they shut up Fulham. They they kind of compress the central areas and they force you out wide and press there. So there's going to be for us, at least, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on um, our wing-backs and Adoma and probably Odebajo to create create a lot of our chances from wide areas. Um, and they have been comfortable at sitting in a low block and just conceding crosses. So, um, I mean, this is probably made for made for a Lyndon Dykes kind of masterclass, if you like. But yeah, that's, 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 that's mostly what I've got on them, really. Lyndon Dykes masterclass. That's what I like to hear. Fantastic. I mean, he's probably the one of 
like 11 players that we've actually got available fit and ready to go like everyone else is injured or niggled or whatever so it would be nice for him to bag a few goals um do we know who their sort of main creative outlets going to be i mean we've got i think their top scorer is Josh, Bo- Josh Bowler's one of them Josh Bowler's one of them he's had a good start to their season that's a name uh, i remember yeah good 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 dribbler um I don't know if he'll start or be off the bench, so he might be off the bench. Jerry Yates has come back into form. You were right about Shane um, Shane Lavery. He's a good, good, um, good striker. I think I don't know if he's going to start there because they've had Medine and uh, Yates up top recently. Um, but they're kind of they have they have good they have some good like outs, outstanding players that makes sense like Keyman, but they're more of like a cohesional system if that makes sense. They're more. They, they they press from the front together. They defend together. They they are a collective more than a more than a side that has just a few individuals to win them games. Um, and that's something we've got to look out for, really. So, Lucas, based on what Dan's been saying there, what would you like to see from us to try and avoid this mm. as being a, a bad think... game? Because you know we we have, as Dan likes to call it, we have a curse against the Gegenpress press sides. So, what would you like to see the side? do tomorrow evening to counteract that? I think we need to push them quite a lot. Um, I think so, some of their attacking outlooks, for example, Keshi Anderson, Ifit, Josh Bowler, Jerry Yates, to name a few. I think um, it would be ideal if we keep them quiet throughout the game because they could well cause some threats, um, which we could cave into quite easily. So I think keep 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 the attackers quiet, keep their attackers quiet and then just make sure that we have make sure we're playing we're playing well up to top and then yeah and then go and nick a couple goals. That sounds ideal. Um talking about the squad now, the team um Wallace might be in the squad, but it has been confirmed today that Sam Field is in the squad for tomorrow. Um, so that was revealed by West London Sport. And I think with the injury to McCallum, we can ex- probably expect to see Wallace uh, at least in the squad. As I said, McCallum and Device are both out. Gray and Chair, unfortunately, a doubt. So both of them picked up knocks against um, Cardiff and I believe the club have said that if they're not playing against Blackpool, they won't be going away with Morocco and Jamaica respectively, which to be honest, they might just not play them just to get away with that excuse. I mean, you guys are smiling and, uh, <laughs> but come on, are you really going to send Gray all the way to Jamaica or I can't remember or like America or wherever he's going to be playing for the national team just to, for him to sit on the bench or whatever. Come on. Um, so I think it's a matter of fine margins as to whether um, Dykes and no, Dykes and Gray, Chair and Gray will play tomorrow. I think um, we could play them and risk them getting aggravating the injury and not seeing them for weeks or months or worse. Um, or we don't play them tomorrow, stop them from going into national duty and then have them back for the looting game. I don't know what to do, but for, from looks of things, neither are going to last the full 90 from what I've seen. OK, so with that discussed, injuries all considered, Dan, what side are you going to ex- do you want, first of all, out tomorrow? And then what do you expect Warburton to actually do? Because he does like to ignore whatever you say. And I think it's really rude, but, you know. It, it is. It's out, it's out of all. I mean, well, then Barbe calls and stuff. I've got right, and then he's uh, he's gone against me. But no, um, what I want, I mean, I think Gray would be suited to this game personally. I think a Dykes and Gray strike partnership. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Willock and his personal reasons. I don't know that nothing's been said about him being a... Uh, being a, a, a risk for this game, but I'd probably go with two strikers, one one cam. Well, I, I don't know what the cam would be. I don't really mind what the cam would be, but I think Dyke, um, Dykes and Gray for me would be best suited to this game. Um, I suppose if we if I go on to what what I expect with the midfield as well, 
I think he'll drop one of Dazelle and Johansson, or at least I hope. I mean, it's nothing against either of them too, but um, we saw that partnership against Barnsley, a similar type of type of side to Blackpool who will press you. And I don't think those two will be suited to the game, so I'd probably bring in Amos over ball, I think. He just adds that bit of energy and a bit of spark into our, into our play, so I'd probably go Amos and Johansson, and then, I mean, the back three. And the wing backs really speak for themselves. I don't. I don't see. I don't see Wallace um, starting. I think if he makes the squad, he'll be on the bench like likewise with Field. Okay. So uh, just finally, before we move on to the predictions, um, th- this schedule we've mentioned it already ruining players. And when the young players are pulling up, it's not a good sign. Do we need to look and if in January? and try and do the impossible and sign a decent wing back, possibly on loan. Or, you know, I think if you look at the contract situation, Wallace is probably out of contract come the end of the season. McCallum's going back. So you're left with Moses and Kakai as the two wing backs actually permanently in the squad. Do we take a risk, a little gamble on a player? pay a little bit of money, see what we can get? It's a, it's a tough one because it's quite, it's quite an awkward situation, especially considering both our left wing backs are kind of injury prone, if you like. I mean, McCallum isn't really, but he's had two recurring injuries. Um, if, if we were to go for one, I think I'd probably go for a left wing back. But I mean, I had, I was thinking about it today and, Bar, bar the two left wing backs, we've still got three three right wing back options, two, two or three of which can play either side. So I think we've got the depth there. And I think unless it's absolutely necessary, I think we'll we'll just stick with what we've got and use the squad. I mean, I'm not a huge Kakai fan. I don't think he's... I think he's good as a backup. I don't think he's a brilliant starter. But I think we've just got to use our squad with what we've got. We invested with the two wing backs in, in the summer. So I think... I think just wait till the, unless the situation gets worse, wait till the next summer and then invest in, invest in some then. Okay, fantastic. So let's move on to predictions for the one game that we've got this week. And I'm actually very excited to talk about predictions because something happened last week that hasn't (laughs) happened on any of the podcasts as far as I'm aware. This is under, this is going back to when Sam was in charge of these podcasts Last season, it's on a different Spotify profile if you want to go listen to them. Obviously, I think you should, these podcasts are better. New host, whatever. Yeah. But last week, for the first time ever, someone got two correct score lines. So, Dan, you predicted 3-2 for Cardiff. We don't need to go over these. And 2-1 to Forest. Micah predicted 2-0 Cardiff and 1-0 Forest, which, you know, by now you would have realised by my excitement and process of elimination. 1-0 Forest and 1-0 Cardiff. Beautiful predictions. Oh, can I just Beautiful say, are these, these, um, these fireworks in the background meant to happen yeah. now? Have you specifically is, got them? Have this you is all set got up. Them so they're celebrating. Yeah. This is a farce, absolute farce, honestly. I've got got them popping off in Sunny Buckinghamshire as well, so you're not alone. Well, I spent a lot of money to celebrate this moment, uh, Lucas. I wanted everyone to celebrate with me. So going into the weekend, we have Blackpool away. Let's get your predictions in. I think Dan last week was very pessimistic and then got... Not not very. And then he got... got, Then he got a little bit of stick from me and Micah for it, and he went and said we would beat Cardiff three two. So it was end to end at one point. It was end to end. All right. Oh, um, in the last five minutes, in the last five minutes, it was end to end. And I think that's sorry. I just want uh, one more thing before we move on. Let's stop doing that QPR. Let's stop. The, the Forest one was bad enough, but the heart attacks you were giving me at the end of Cardiff <laughs> was awful. I was okay. Until that point, I was very cool, calm, collected. At that point, I started to lose it. Just clear the fucking lines. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, 
Just saying. Um, but before before Dan speaks, if I die young, um, it will be from heart problems caused by supporting QPR. Well, it's on record that, now. So. That'll be everyone. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing that we even have any old supporters and that our generation is a thing that actually needs to happen. But Dan, let's finally get on to your prediction. What, what um, are we saying? I'm not going to be too pessimistic. I think, bearing in mind it's a pressing side, there's almost, there's, there's some sort of hesitation coming up to tomorrow. So I'm going to go for, I think I'm going to go for a one or draw. I think, I think Blackpool are a good side and we can't, under, we can't afford to underestimate them. So I'll say a draw. Lucas, what do you think? Um, I'm I'm gonna go for a score draw as well. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one one as well. I can't I can't see the other side edging it based on recent form, and um, I think with it being on Sky as well, I think that's going to be a, be a bit of an advantage for Blackpool, given that they haven't had it this season. But um, for us, doing well comes with the Sky tax. You get put on Sky every other week. That's an interesting way of putting it, Sky Tax. Let's uh, co- get that nailed down as a, our generation word. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1. You're forgetting that it's not a Friday night we're playing on. It's the 5.30 Saturday kickoff, which I don't know what our stats are for it. They're probably awful, but I'm going to assume that it only means good things. So 2-1 victory to the R's. There's going to be thousands of raucous, pissed-up QPR fans up there in... Blue. Thousands? probably not thousands like maybe a couple of hundred maybe a thousand I don't know what's the allocation I don't, I don't have a clue I wouldn't uh, pretty bad 2,100 I think there you go what, away fans thousands um, <laughs> t- tomorrow th- tomorrow I think we've got 2,100 fantastic I mean I know a few people going up the day before some people have got how, how many of them make it into the ground after drunk though oh um I, I'd say, all I'd say fans people are very sensible. They're very sensible, Dan. They don't do anything stupid pre-match. Um, I, could out, I could bait out you at Reading away, but I'm not going to do that on No, because you didn't see me at Reading away, so I don't know what you Lucas, about. don't worry. Um, I've done that many a time, and I haven't even yeah. seen him. I've just heard about the things that he got up to. Shocking yeah, Tom's, Tom's tell he's a uni, I went with Tom. Tom. I went with Tom. Tom saw him, and... Yeah, Tom yeah, saw me. He's been on the phone. I don't know what you're on about. I was just enjoying myself before the pain. Yeah. Right. It's been a, another fantastic and very enjoyable podcast, lads. It's been great chatting with you and we will catch up again shortly. So, yes, this has been another Our Generation on Air podcast. Please subscribe to us on Twitter at Our Generation Net, on Instagram at the same name and on Spotify under Our Generation on Air, the Q- a QPR podcast. Uh, so that's everything from us have a good week enjoy the international break and come on you ours